there is a difference between the employer brand and the employee experience, but those two have to become best friends. I frankly love when conversations start with a callback to one of my favorite times as a youth, uh, which was the skating rink in the town near me. Um, and uh, today's guest, no joke, actually kind of started his career as a DJ in a skating rink. So I just felt like right away, we're going to become fast friends. And But indeed, uh, what we ended up talking about today is about employer branding, employee experience, and really storytelling, which is so super central to all of that. Yeah, I wish we had some uh, 80s and 90s throwback hits to set the mood for this episode, but uh, we don't. However, great conversation. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to be very interested to hear our guest's perspective on um, making employer branding interesting and bringing employees to the forefront. I think I will peg my pants on the, on the, the day this airs, uh, just in, in honor of the era. Sounds great. Uh, we refer to. Yeah, but of course, we're talking about uh, Jonathan Hatch. He is on the team at Zoom, uh, works on global employer branding. And we are excited to bring his insights to you. But before we get into it, make sure you go check out our amazing show sponsor, ICUC. ICUC are experts in online and social media community management, and they are available 24-7 to help you think through community management. ICUC created a guide that you can download at bit.ly slash ICUC community. And while you're there, you can schedule a free consultation with a member of their team at bit.ly slash ICUC community, all one word, lowercase. And now, this week's episode with Jonathan Hatch. Jonathan Hatch, uh, welcome to Social Pros. Thank you so much for being part of the community, being part of the show. And we're excited to talk about a lot of different things, employer and employee branding. But before we get into that, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here and hopefully can share some valuable knowledge with you today. Yeah, for sure. I, I have no doubt that that's going to be the case. We um, Just in kind of talking about your, your background and everything before the show, a, a lot of what you do stems from storytelling and just kind of uh, using the experiences, lived experiences in life to, you know, help you always kind of find the path forward. But you, you've had a varied career beyond what you're doing. You're, not, you're currently at Zoom, a platform we all know and love well uh, as their total global talent brand manager. But you've had a, a varied career. You were an EMT at one point, uh, spent some time working with, uh, with the Wounded Warrior Project. And at, if I'm not mistaken, you actually began your career as a DJ in a skating rink, which seems like the kind of place and the kind of role that's everything you ever needed to know in life is what you learn right there. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I remember that I went up to the rink the day I turned 16. Uh, I had applied previously as a 15-year-old and the manager just kept ignoring me and said, come back when you're 16. So I went back on my 16th birthday and said, you told me to come back here. I am. And he hired me on the spot. And I spent about three years of my life in that skating rink every weekend. And it wasn't a job. You know, I got to go to work on a Friday night, play loud music, make bright lights flash and interact with a bunch of people my age. And it was more like being a game show host than it was anything else. And I tell you what, I'm, 
I miss it all the time. Um, but I always make the joke, I don't miss the minimum wage pay. That was the only drawback um, was the minimum wage pay. And the fact that at the end of the night, the DJ had to clean the bathrooms. Uh, other than that, it was perfect. Uh, wow. Uh, that's that's quite a come down from <laughs> DJing to cleaning bathrooms. But <laughs> some, someone has to do it, right? And you kind of just step in and, and fill the role. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I mean, you're you're now kind of working in the space. Uh, you're at Zoom, but you're working in the space of employer and employee branding, which is really about storytelling, like we said. So, kind of uh, walk me through. You know, your 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 thoughts, your your model for what that means, employee engagement and and sort of personal branding. So, for me, storytelling is probably the most key way I can think of of how we connect with each other. And a lot of disconnect exists between the individual and brands. So whether it's personal branding, employer branding, or even just branding, telling stories allows the audience to connect with you on a different level. They, it gives you that chance to get to know, you know, what goes on behind the scenes. And so for me, storytelling uh, is really about the people behind the scenes. I want anybody out there to be able to stumble across a story of an employee and learn, you know, what their journey has been like, why they're there, how long they've been there, what has their path been like? I, I think we discover a lot of non-linear paths for folks within organizations. And that's really interesting. Um, so when I'm thinking of an employer brand and I'm trying to attract future talent, I want people who are naturally curious to start exploring our channels, go to our website, look at you know our blogs, and, and read these these spotlights and these stories of employees, and decide whether or not they can see themselves in that situation. Can I see myself in this company? Can I see myself in that kind of role? Can I see myself growing here? Um, you know, it's nice to say these things in job descriptions and on career sites. But it's when people tell the actual story of how it happened to them that the everyday person can start to relate and then begin wondering, is this a path for me to pursue? Yeah, it's so true. I mean, uh, of all the, the times I've interviewed or had interest in, in an organization, what makes me the most excited isn't, I, I mean, it's cool to have like ping pong tables and great benefits and all of those things. But when I really get excited, if I if I somehow connect with someone who I like, I would I would do anything to work with them because they seem like cool people. Mm -hmm. That's those are my people, um, and and that isn't has, doesn't come through in sort of you know the general list of all the benefits of working with our working for our organization. Uh, it's it's really about the people and their stories. Uh, and, and it, you know, it's easier to do that now, of course, than, than it ever was because of LinkedIn. So we get to see, you know, not just people's CV, but really kind of what's on their mind and what, how they look at the world and view the world, which helps, uh, form some opinion. I assume you spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. I've, I know you spend a lot of time because I see you on LinkedIn all the time, but do you see that as kind of like the primary hub for that kind of storytelling? Um, it can definitely be the primary hub, but I will say it's not the only hub, right? I think that other platforms are well-suited for these type of connections. Uh, I see Instagram playing a vital role here um, with the ability to share stories, static content, videos. Instagram is, in my opinion, not the best channel to try to be selling on, but it's more of a channel to build those relationships and create buzz. 
So I like to use Instagram a lot to showcase those inside looks into what we're doing at an organization. And I like TikTok. I'm not the best TikToker myself. Luckily, we have people to do that. But recording things like day in the life content, really fun time lapse videos where you know an employee might narrate what they do in a day and sort of coming into the office and fist bumping a coworker and having a snack. You know, all those things are pretty cool because it shows you those things that it's really hard to put down on a page. And it really gets to show you what an environment looks like, how interactions occur and things like that. So again, for me, it's like going beyond the page and bringing things to life, showcasing those things that you just can't do. Um, you know, I look at a career site, I look at a job description is all kind of marketing, right? It's written content. It's great. It gives you an idea, but it's never all encompassing. And sometimes it's kind of vague. People want to know more. They have that genuine thirst to learn more and really get to know what's going on. And that's where multiple channels come in handy because you can differentiate your, your content approach on those channels, keeping in the, the same theme that you're going to tell a story and maybe each channel is a different piece of the story or a different point of view. Um, and then it can help somebody really tie everything together. Yeah, I think it's great the way that you think about those channels as, you know, different, almost different voices or the ability to have those different voices in the different channels. I am curious. I think part of being able to tell a great story about a brand um, through their employees is obviously having engaged employees. And sometimes I think it's hard for brands to know how to engage employees and how to get them involved in a way that feels authentic and genuine and not like we're trying to exploit your story for the brand. How do you go about mining these stories, finding the right people, getting them excited about sort of being a voice for the brand um, when maybe they hadn't thought that that was something they wanted to do before? Yeah. So, I mean, I think anywhere we look, great stories exist. It's just a matter of bringing them to, to the light. One of the ways that I've approached it in the past is um, contacting a manager first and say, hey, looking to tell a really great story and was wondering if you have like just a star performer on your team or maybe somebody who's had quite a tenure here. You know, do we have somebody who's on your team that's been here since day one? In the past, I've worked with people that have been at the company for 20 years. And I'm like, I want to tell your story because you were here when this company was born and today it's totally different. What was that like for you? Um, other ways I do it is I, I start asking around, you know, as you create relationships within, you know, an organization, you just get to know people and in passing, you might hear an interesting thing that catches your, your interest. So you're like, tell me more about that. You know, um, oh, you started in customer support and now you're an account director. How did that happen for you? And then say, Hey, I think this is a great opportunity to let people out there hear about what an extraordinary experience you've had here. Would you be willing to share this, this experience? And from there, similar to uh, you know recording a video or a podcast, we sit down and we talk. We have a script of questions. We, we would write up a narrative, create some graphic assets to go with it, and find different ways to, to broadcast this. Most of the time, in my experience... The employees get really excited to get that kind of like public facing recognition from the brand. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on the Facebook page. 
we have 500,000 followers. That's incredible. Like I'm going to go tell my friends. So like naturally, once that post goes live, you're going to get a boost in engagement because your mom and your grandma are out there. They're like, look at my baby go. Um, and then they're like sharing the post. Uh, but then, you know, there's a sense of pride that goes there. So it's a morale booster. So it's, it's a win-win situation for me. It's like, oh, you did me a favor by letting me tell your story. And I did you a favor by helping you feel better and feel recognized about your, your time and your experience. And it's something that um, it's always been received positively. And um, I, I'm so far able to say I'm fortunate that I haven't encountered a single person that did not want to participate. Yeah, I mean, so often people just assume that like, well, no one, no one would be interested in what I do here and what I, you know, it's like my job isn't that interesting. What I do isn't that interesting or I'm not that interesting. And you do have to, you have to do have, give a little bit of creative direction and guidance, right? To, to encourage them to explore it. And, and I, sometimes the challenge there though, of course, is that they are drawn to doing it in an inauthentic or a way that they feel like they should show up. So uh, they kind of, adopt some persona or do something that feels inauthentic to them. How do you, you know, kind of coach them through and just like, you just use your own voice at right at right in your own voice, speaking mm -hmm. in your own voice, just be yourself. Yeah. That's, um, it's how I approach just about anybody I talk to. I'm a super transparent, very real person. As you can see, I try to weave in some humor every now and then, um, on LinkedIn, I'm what I call snarkastic because I'm snarky and sarcastic, but I also add value to everything I post. So you get my personality and then you get my passion, which is helping others. So when I approach the way of getting people to get excited about it, I'm just like, you know, relax. Don't think too much into it. Just put down what you want to put down. We're here to help you. We can edit it down if it's too lengthy. We can, you know, wordsmith if we need to. All of that makes it a lot less inundating or overwhelming for the person on the other side because it's like, hey, we, we have help. Um, and I think one of the ways that I always like to make the situation more comfortable too is I don't make it completely serious the whole time either. We weave in um, ways in which we get to know you on a different level beside your story. I, I like to ask, you know, what's your favorite meme right now? You know, do you have any pets? Where's somewhere you would love to travel? What do you do in your free time? We can take that information and weave that into their story as kind of like a fun things to know about you type of thing. But also showing that we're getting to know you beyond just the work. It creates a more relaxing atmosphere for the person we're interviewing as well. Yeah, for sure. And I, I always I love to ask people like sort of origin questions, you know, how did you get started in this role or, you know, what that kind of thing? Because sometimes, you know, they, they pop out with something like, you know, I sort of started my career as a DJ in a skating rink. Uh, and it gives you a whole new, a whole new perspective on <laughs> on their background that it, it kind of disarms the conversation a bit. Oh yeah, and we're gonna keep yeah. going back, and we're gonna keep going back to that because it's just such an amazing. Yeah, no, it, it was great. I mean, I've I've done so many things in my life, you know, from the DJ. After that, I did serving and bartending. Then I became an EMT. Then I graduated a paramedic. I almost became a firefighter, and that's when I was like, I don't want to do this, like. When I was in high school, I said I was going to do marketing and uh, I was going back to school. So I was like 25 and completely burnt out in the medical field, you know, working 24 hour shifts, getting no sleep, tons of overtime. And I was like, this isn't for me. I've got too much ambition to settle for low pay, no sleep and having no life. So I, I 
you know, pulled my pants up and went back to school. And, and I've been in marketing ever since. And um, it's, it's, it's where I'm happy. And even in my time as a marketer, I've begun to change where my focus is. I was a traditional marketer doing business development at first. And then I moved into digital, right? When digital started booming. And I've been in digital for a long time, but even in my time in digital, I've started learning how to do this employer branding thing. I've done it three times now, you know? One time I did it before it even had a name. You know, we didn't even know what employer branding was when I first started working with my company to establish our, our presence as an employer. And so who knows what's next on the horizon, but I'm excited because as a marketer, we're always learning, always discovering new things, and we get to try new things. And it's really, really exciting to me. Yeah. And I mean, you have had such a, a varied career and and so many of the most interesting, I think, guests and, and people we've had on the show have also done the sort of, not even career pivots, that, that assumes there's like intention and whatever behind it. It's more just like I started out as a, you know, a poet and now I do, you know, creative work. Um, uh and what, what's interesting to me about that is it leads to a lot of people that I think this is true in our field in general of being kind of multi-hyphenate people. Uh, we had a guest on, I believe last year, I think she was on, she, she's a ballroom dancer, like a champion ballroom dancer. She, I forget all of the multi-hyphenate uh, things that she's done, but it leads to not just better, more well-rounded colleagues. It's just really great stories that kind of show the true dimension of people. And uh, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like a lot of that is now coming out in my LinkedIn feed from people I know or have worked with. I'm seeing not just the work that they do and the awesome people that they are now, but you know the, the full dimension of them, which I think is one of the... It's such an interesting time on LinkedIn because of that. I think you know it's it's become a truly lovely place instead of just a place to connect with your you know, classmates and colleagues. Yeah, it's become, we're in like, what I would say is like the most transparent era of LinkedIn. And I love it. Like my one rule is you're not going to find me using cuss words on LinkedIn because I do still keep it like um, professional. But I've got other people that, that that's their jam and that's what they do. And I will support you. I will cheer for you. I'll like your posts. I'll interact with it. You just won't find me doing it. But that's who they are as a person. And that's their, them being transparent, their authentic self. And I liked your comment about seeing, you know, these, these different backgrounds from people and how we got where we are, because you're right. It shapes who we are. You know, for me, having worked as an EMT and a paramedic and dealing with emergencies as a marketer, I feel like I'm very level-headed and I very seldom think anything is a true emergency. So then they're like, this is urgent. We need this bound. I'm like, but do you really? Do you really need it right now? Like, are you, what are you going to do with something EOD Friday? You're going to look at it Monday morning. So let's just make it do Monday morning instead of putting all this pressure on. And that's how I approach things. So anytime I have, you know, someone on my team who may come to me freaking out, I like to be able to sit them down and say, let's calm down and think about this. Let's be methodical about it and figure out what we can do now, how we can, you know, look at this through a different lens and approach the situation calm and collected. And it works. It helps. So for me, you're not going to get a rise out of me because I've been in a true emergency situation and uh, this is marketing. There's not, there's no emergency. There are crises. Yes, but there are no emergencies. <laughs> it's funny. I always say to my team, we're not saving lives. Like we're making marketing 
And it's okay. It's all going to be fine. You want a typo on the website and, and the CEO sign? Okay, well, we'll fix it. You should know. We're all going to be okay. We're human, and that's how it is. <laughs> I think that like the authenticity piece is so important, and I, I think you know when people see brands showing up as themselves, and then especially when they're trying to work for a specific brand. I think they have this like connection with those brands that are able to get that authenticity piece right. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you marry that with, okay, now they're hired and now we have to make sure our culture pays off what we told them um, when we were trying to get them in. I'm just curious. I know that's like a tough ask, but yeah. I think a lot of times we're selling this like thing, this dream, this image of our company and it is, I mean, part of part of the job, obviously there's other folks involved, but part of the job is to make sure that we're paying that off with the experience they get when they come work for us. Yeah, um, you're right. This is a hard question. It's something that keeps me up at night all the time, even now, because I want to make sure that I'm always telling the truth. I don't want to come off as a company that does like a bait and switch. Well, you told me when you were interviewing me that this place is butterflies and rainbows and, and prancing through meadows and all that stuff. And I got here and it is doom and gloom all the time. Well, yes, we're sorry. But then the economy crashed and that's what it is now for everybody. Sorry. No, I don't want to do that. So I, I definitely want to make sure that everyone is getting a fair shot at having this grand experience that we are promoting. Uh, with that in mind, whatever experience, whatever culture I'm promoting, um, I try to make sure that we are painting that picture as accurately as possible. So one of the ways we do that is, yes, we have our core values and we have what we think is the culture, but let's go ask people. So we'll send out, you know, like a, a quarterly or a, or a biannual survey that's just kind of like a check-in. How are things going? Is everything still cool? Whatever. And extract themes from there just to make sure we're telling the right story. Anytime something shifts, we will make an adjustment to our copy or to our job descriptions and make sure that we're accurately, you know, reflecting that there. The thing is that it can still happen no matter what you do, because in my experience and in my opinion, companies have multiple cultures. You've got the company culture that is kind of set forth from the top with the CEO and trickles its way down. You also have the culture that makes its way from the bottom to the top. And then you have microcultures in every single department. And these are where things get tricky because we know that marketing departments have fun. They are a group of collaborative hard workers that like to play, be creative and all that stuff. And then you have engineering, a completely different persona. They may not have the same type of experience that we're having over here. So one thing I like to do is make sure that I'm highlighting that this is the company culture that's in the job description. And then make sure that we are coaching and working closely with a hiring manager from a department that may be a little more regimented and not quite as laid back and give them tips on making sure that they're transparent with the candidate, making sure that they are painting an accurate description of what a day in the life looks like and what the team does, what the collaborative spirit is like. And uh, things like that. That way you understand, okay, I'm coming into an organization that, for example, is very caring and laid back and startup-y. But knowing that on this team, it's not quite as laid back as the overall organization. So while the organization may allow you to be 
uh, you know, unlimited PTO and weird cheats to work, for example. The department might be a bit more micromanagey and very, very deadline driven. These two things could conflict and make you have a mixed perception of the experience. So as long as we're able to clearly define that organizational culture versus the team culture, it helps make sure that people are making an informed decision when deciding if they're going to join a company. I think that's so important. I mean, what you said is really, really important because the the thing is, I, I feel like company culture is a little bit like politics in the sense there's like the big national story, which is kind of like the broad company culture. But really, politics is all about what happens closest to you, your roads, your schools, the lights, you know, fire department, like all of the things that actually matter to your daily existence. Um, that's what that's what really feels it, and I feel like company culture is that way too. And not all not all teams uh, are the same in a, in an organization. I, when I right. worked at when I worked at at uh, I started my career at Google, uh, which is not like a skating rink, but it was definitely chaotic, um, <laughs> and it felt like um, I felt like sometimes I was DJing. the 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 thing was like I worked on the communications team, and our culture was so completely different from the engineering team's cultures. And even within engineering teams, they had different kind of micro cultures. But, you know, someone interviewing for our team doesn't, like, they're not going to have that experience. They're going to have this team's experience, which felt a little bit more like the White House press office than it did maybe engineering team with quarterly goals were dealing with daily stuff. I actually urge a candidate to make sure that they're spending as much of their time in the interview process getting to know the culture of the team, because that's their day to day. This is your life while you're here. This is 40 plus hours a week for you. So please make sure that you understand it, you're comfortable with it, and it's what you were looking for. Because I don't want you to make a mistake. I don't want you to leave three months from now or six months from now, even a year. My goal is to attract you. My goal is to keep you here at the same time. And there is a difference between the employer brand and the employee experience, but those two have to become best friends. So, you know, in, in that vein, how do you, you know, how do you explore marrying those, those two things when you're, you're looking at kind of content creation for an employer? If one team's culture somewhat is out of alignment, not alignment, but a little bit out of fit with kind of the, the broader story that's generally told about how the company culture is, uh, which is true in every company. But how do you kind of marry those two things so that it feels true to the brand, but also true to the team. Yeah, um, that's that's hard. One of the things that I'm, I'm huge on is making sure that we establish a line of communication and can create that look into it. So whether you know I'm asking internal communications to help me partner with that team to, to learn more and figure out what's going on, or we, we look at things like survey scores and try to isolate what's going on. Another thing I do is I'll pull like LinkedIn reviews. LinkedIn, if you have enough reviews, will give you kind of that breakdown by uh, department or persona type. So I can say, oh, okay, according to LinkedIn, or sorry, Glassdoor does that. And if you can kind of isolate where maybe a problem area is on Glassdoor reviews, you can see, okay, folks in sales and engineering aren't very happy right now. What do we do to fix it? And the first thing you have to do is you have to listen. So you got to go, you got to go ask the hard questions and then you've got to listen to the feedback and then you have to see what you can apply to that feedback to enhance things. And unfortunately, 
this is a bigger feat than just uh, an employer brand team can handle, but it does require some buy-in from some management, some senior leadership. The good news is most senior leaders don't want to see the brand falter. They want to get on board and they want to help you know steer the ship in the right direction. So by having those hard uh, conversations and sharing that information, it does open up the lines to be, you know, at least attempting to make things better. It, it's very hard to do. It's a lot of herding cats, a um, lot of moving parts there, and it takes time. This isn't something that you can just fix overnight. It's something that you have to invest time and energy into for the long haul, and it's going to take a year or two years before you see real change. Um, but it just starts with the commitment and a promise to do better. Yeah, so true. And, you know, sometimes I, I also like to look on LinkedIn at other employees posts at an organization, at an employee's post at an organization and, and see in the comments if their peers are commenting on it. If not, there may be a situation where what they're saying about the team, the role, the work environment are actually a little bit out of mismatch. Uh, mm-hmm. And that can be a, a good indicator of, you know, is it the right tone? Is it the right the right type of content. So yeah, right. so true. Well, we've talked a lot about LinkedIn here, Jonathan. So uh, obviously you are active and snarktastic on LinkedIn. So I encourage people to go uh, follow Jonathan. Where, where, What is the best way to connect with you on LinkedIn? Um, you could just send me a connection invite. Um, I, I would love to know if you found me through here. So just drop me a note, let me know you heard me. Um, but I pretty much accept all requests that come through. The only caveat is if you're a salesperson, I'm a little reluctant because you guys, I get 10 to 50 pitches a week. Um, and it's just overwhelming when you have a full-time job as well. So um, I do request that you don't pitch me, um, at least in the beginning, you know, get to know me first and then try to sell me on something. I am not going to say no, but, um, you know, I'm always looking for ways to, to do big, better things. Um, and so if you're, if you're interested in partnering, let me know. Um, otherwise, I'm just here to provide value and, and help people feel seen on the platform. You know, I've been through it all. I've, I've started in social media when it was just becoming a position in, in companies. I've worked for leaders who don't get it, but tell you what to do. And it's like, well, that's why things don't work. You know, don't hold me accountable for the KPIs when you're not listening to the people who know what they're doing. And now I'm doing employer branding, but my heart is still in digital. It's still in social. Um, and, and frankly, I'm using digital and social for employer branding. So they just go hand in hand. Instead of marketing a product, I'm marketing a, a place and the people. And um, when you really care about the place and the people, it's really easy to do. And people people tell better stories than products in general. So <laughs> please, <laughs> certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you are Jonathan G. Hatch uh, on LinkedIn, just for... That is correct. There's another Jonathan Hatch on LinkedIn. I am connected with him because of his name. He happens to also be a marketer. I He's kind of my nemesis because he stole my email address before I could get it. So it's technically his. Um, but he's a, he's a super nice guy. He's in marketing. He's in like the Minnesota area. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. But uh, yes, if you accidentally come across him, I'm the one located in Florida. I have a pretty cover image on my page that says, if it doesn't change the world, don't do it because I feel that's how I feel, right? You know, I'm here to do things in marketing that that make waves and, and change things for people. And uh, I will continue trying to do that. 
I actually am curious how many people have a LinkedIn doppelganger. I have one. My last name is Lemon, and I have a, a LinkedIn doppelganger, Daniel Lemon. He's French. Uh, he works in digital marketing. We don't look alike, but our at one point our LinkedIn photos, like if you put them side by side in a in a search result, you'd be like, I don't, I'm not entirely sure which one is which. I need to find another arch nemesis. Oh, Hannah, we gotta get you. Oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> find one somewhere else. If your name is Hannah, find her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jonathan, well, we cannot let you go without asking you the final two questions we ask all the guests here on the show. Um, and if you're ready, I've got the first one ready for you. Let's do it. All right. Question number one, if you could give a piece of advice to anyone who wants to become a social pro like you, what would it be? Just start doing it. You literally have to start doing that. You have to get into the trenches there is a plethora of free knowledge out there. Start consuming. TikTok is a great place. YouTube galore. Um, just start doing it. Start small. You might have to give some time away from for free because having your own social media presence isn't enough. You've got to do it for other companies, for other businesses. There are a ton of small businesses out there that need this kind of help. Start there. Help them grow their business. Help them generate a buzz and just keep climbing from there. I love that advice. I think um, especially uh, our newer generations of folks coming into the industry, that's the advice that they need to hear. And a lot of times they have less fear than those of us who've been in this for a while. So <laughs> it's great to see them kind of getting in the trenches and and just doing it, which is really yeah. fun to watch. I'm still nervous every time I post something. I'm like, is this going to be the end of me? Is this the one that's going to make someone mad? But no, um, I'm like, the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. Question number two is if you could have a video call with any living, living person, um, who would it be? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. Um, if I, if I'm like on the spot and I'm thinking really hard, wow, this is just over. I don't think about this enough. I mean, we all have like our celebrities and stuff like that, that we would like to talk to. I would probably pick Probably like Ryan Reynolds, because he's a really funny guy. I've been watching him on the screen for, what, 20 years? You know, all the way back to like that really low budget movie, Waiting. If you've ever seen it, it's about oh. working in a restaurant. I worked in the restaurant, so that movie is hilarious to me. Um, but aside from that, like, he's like just a really transparent, like, cool guy. He's got, you know, his um, other business ventures that he's gone into, uh, you know, with the, he's gone into the spirits industry, he's gone into the cell phone, you know, cellular business. So he's just really cool, well-rounded guy. And I appreciate humor and then also doing other things and giving back and exploring ways to to do things. And uh, I just think he's really interesting and I'd probably really like to get to know of it. Yeah, I think all of us would like to take a masterclass from Ryan Reynolds. We We talk about him a lot. So <laughs> it's just so good. And he's always, you know, with the trends and he's mm -hmm. always in the middle of pop culture. I don't know. I just think he, yeah, he just does a great job of always making himself heard. Um, so I love that one. If you ever get to talk to him, let us know. I'll let you know. Love <laughs> <Yes>. Maybe <laughs> the, uh, the catalyst that makes it happen. Yes. Ryan, <laughs> you're listening. <laughs> yeah. It was a call. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This is great. And we enjoyed having you on the show. We very much appreciate it. 
Thank you for having me. It was a blast. I, um, I enjoyed every minute of this. And Social Pros listeners, thank you once again for joining us for what we hope is your favorite podcast in the whole wide world, Social Pros. Social Pros.